Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Policy Pack Software, where you use group policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And also by Liquidware, the innovator in adaptive workspace management solutions. And also, of course, by Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these great sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Starting this week's episode on a somber note, unfortunately. A few hours after I published last week's episode, I learned about the passing of security researcher Dan Kaminsky at the age of 42. He is perhaps most widely known for discovering the DNS cache poisoning vulnerability in 2008 that had a profound impact on internet security that is still having an influence today. I never met Dan in person, I was just one of many followers of his on Twitter. The outpouring of affection online is a testament to the man. It has been a really bad couple of years for untimely deaths of community members. My condolences go to Dan's family and friends. Turbonomic has been acquired by IBM in a deal rumored to be worth between $1.5 to $2 billion. If you work in IT and have ever used YouTube before, you probably already know about Turbonomic. I know for me there was a three-year span there when almost every ad I saw on YouTube was for Turbonomic. TechCrunch.com reports that Turbonomics tools are particularly useful in hybrid cloud architectures, which involve not just on-premises and cloud workloads, but workloads that typically are extended across multiple cloud environments. IBM themselves stated the acquisition is important due to Turbonomics capabilities, complementing those of another recently acquired company by IBM, Instana, and the integrated capabilities of both product sets will enable customers to observe their entire application and infrastructure stack and gain a real-time understanding of the environment with Instana, optimize the efficiency of their environment with Turbonomic, automate IT availability with Watson AI Ops, which IBM already owns, plus the capabilities will be built on Red Hat OpenShift to run across any cloud. The planned acquisition of Turbonomic includes Park My Cloud, a cost optimization tool that makes it easier for organizations to reduce their public cloud costs and spending for development and test workloads. As 5G adoption continues to grow, organizations are also looking to move workloads to the edge, and IBM will leverage Turbonomic's products to help their customers understand how and when to place workloads across the network and ways to optimize applications running in 5G environments. Personally, what I associate Turbonomic with the most is just an overall management automation product and the fact that its automation provides great infrastructure resiliency by moving workloads more dynamically than with other solutions. It seems a really good move for IBM and that's a pretty huge price tag, so congrats to all at Turbonomic. I'm sure we've all experienced the frustration of maybe taking your machine off the dock where you had multiple monitors and then opening it up and having your desktop shortcuts just strewn about the place 
or possibly even just opening your machine or starting your machine again after it was in sleep and having the shortcuts all over the place. Well, the technical terminology that Microsoft has used to describe this problem is rapid hot plug detect or rapid HPD. This behavior impacts DisplayPort multi-monitor setups, which results in unwanted desktop rearrangements. And Microsoft now says that they have worked towards a solution for this. And if you'd like to access the mitigation, it is currently available in the Windows Insider program in the preview version of Windows 10 for build 21287 or above. The feature works by default once you are on the supported build. So I'm looking forward to that one being in the stable release of Windows 10. That's pretty cool. Seems like a long time coming, really. LeapingComputer.com has reported that Windows Package Manager Winget.03 has released with some cool new features. Microsoft released this version with support for new experimental features that significantly increase the program's functionality. And with this release, Microsoft introduced two new commands, list and uninstall, that allows you to manage every program installed in Windows 10. The winget list is used to display a list of all programs installed in your operating system, while winget uninstall lets you remove any installed app, even those not previously installed using the package manager. So definitely a level up for Windows Package Manager, and it's very welcome. ThreatPost.com reported that there's five new NVIDIA GPU driver vulnerabilities. The most severe of the five bugs in the GPU display driver is tracked as CVE-2021-1074, and it rates as a 7.5 out of 10 on the severity scale, which makes it a high severity. There were also eight other NVIDIA software bugs disclosed. All of these disclosed vulnerabilities have patches available, so if you're an NVIDIA customer, get patching. Reversing Labs recently published an interesting research paper. If you're not familiar with Reversing Labs, they make a product called Titanium Cloud, a machine learning hybrid cloud platform that harvests thousands of file types at scale, speed, speeds threat detection through machine learning binary analysis, and continuously monitors an index of over 10 billion files for future threats. So doing some very important and good work. The company collected all Excel documents that appeared for the first time in their Titanium Cloud since 2020. So they've been running an analysis of Excel files in their Titanium Cloud since November of 2020. The documents were then processed with their static analysis engine, which identified that almost 160,000 of them used Excel version 4 macros. And among those 160,000 Excel 4 documents, more than 90% were classified as malicious or suspicious. They said that the largest peak on the graph is just around November 27th, so as chance would have it, it fell right on Black Friday in the US, with the most prevalent cyber gangs being Zloader and Quackbot. The report closes with the statement on the XL4 threats, suggesting that even though backward compatibility is very important, some things should have a life expectancy, and from a security perspective, it would probably be best if they were deprecated at some point in time. Cost of maintaining a 30-year-old macro should be weighed against the security risks of using such an outdated technology. Yes, here, here on that. 
Security researcher Cedric Owens discovered a bug in macOS that allowed him to build a potentially malicious app to look like a harmless document, which when opened bypasses macOS's built-in defenses, which when opened bypasses macOS's built-in defenses. Owens built a proof of concept app disguised as a harmless document that exploits the bug to launch the calculator app, which if you're watching the YouTube edition of this show, you'll see a quick demo of this. But essentially, you'll see that it operates, is able to do its thing, dropping malware without any prompts or warnings to the user. And I swear to you, when I saw this article, I scrolled to the first couple of paragraphs to see if this was one published by Patrick Wardle. And when I saw, oh, Cedric Owen's name, I thought, hey, good for you, man. It has seemed like Patrick has been like a one-man band on macOS security for a long time. And when I read Owens actually shared the bug with Wardle and asked his opinion, I can't say I was surprised. Wardle explained that the vulnerability triggers due to a logic bug in macOS's underlying code. And the bug meant that macOS was misclassifying certain app bundles and skipping security checks, allowing Owens's proof of concept app to run unimpeded. Apple told TechCrunch.com that it fixed the bug in macOS 11.3. Apple has also patched earlier macOS versions to prevent abuse and pushed out updated rules to X-Protect, macOS's inbuilt anti-malware engine, to block malware from exploiting the vulnerability. So that's good because I don't think they've had too many patches for Catalina since Big Sur was rolled out, at least other than some for Safari. So good to know that even what they say about older operating systems if there is something big like this, they are willing to go back and patch them. This week, Vice reported on a really interesting and heartwarming story. Security researcher Brett Barhouse put out a call on Twitter for some help. He said that his brother and his wife needed help to pay for a life-saving open-heart surgery that their unborn daughter would need as soon as she was born. Burhouse then said he'd go hunting for security vulnerabilities in an attempt to raise money via bug bounties for a GoFundMe fundraiser set up by the couple. That tweet asking for help and the fact that he was going to go on a bug hunting mission was put up on Tuesday. Well, on Wednesday night, Burhouse and his friend Sam Curry, another security researcher, went looking for bugs in a large cryptocurrency project. Just a few hours later, they found a serious bug in the project's code, reported it, and the next morning they got awarded $50,000. At this point, Curry donated part of his bounty, $4,497, to help the fundraiser reach its goal of $25,000. And since then, the fundraiser has blown past $29,000. Way to go, Brett Barhouse and Sam Curry. That's awesome. And fair play to everyone who also donated to the GoFundMe. BleepyComputer.com have reported that Microsoft security researchers have disclosed 25 security flaws in IoT and operational technology devices that can lead to remote code execution. Some of the devices affected include those running software from Amazon, Google, Samsung, and some ARM products. To find a full list of those affected by this and what software specifically, go to 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 174. It is recommended that you update as soon as possible, and it sounds like the good news is that the vendors do have patches available, so that's great. 
On a previous episode of the podcast, I reported on a story about the Emotet malware and a coordinated effort that would be launched by German authorities to deploy an updated module to those infected with the malware that would then automatically uninstall its components globally from April 25th. Well, the good news is April 25th passed, so that should have run to uninstall that malware across devices globally. At the time of this recording, it seemed that authorities had not commented on any further developments, so hopefully by next week there's an update to the story and confirmation that the uninstall was successful, so I guess we'll wait and see. Citrix's IT service management adapter got an update this month. They said they have made an enhancement to automatically generate a refresh token and an access token when you register a ServiceNow instance in Citrix Cloud. And this enhancement frees you from using a separate tool to generate the tokens. They've also synchronized the Citrix Alert policies that you set in Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktop Service to ServiceNow under Citrix IT Service Management Connector settings under Alert Policies. With the webhook monitor enabled for an alert policy, alerts meeting the policy are listed in ServiceNow under Citrix IT Service Management Connector Alerts. You can also create incidents and assign them to specific assignees. So I'm a fan of ServiceNow. In a sea of terrible ITSM products, I think it's one of the better ones. So greater enhancements and integrations is welcome. If you use Password State Password Manager, beware that bad actors compromised its upgrade mechanism and have used it to install malicious files on users' computers. The file is named mosterware.secretsplitter.dll and it contained a legitimate copy of an app called Secret Splitter along with malicious code named Loader according to a brief write-up from security firm CSIS Group. The Loader code attempts to retrieve the file archive at passwordstate-18ed2.kxcdn.com slash upgrade underscore service underscore upgrade dot zip so it can retrieve an encrypted second stage payload. Once decrypted, the code is executed directly in memory. And according to Ars Technica, the email from Click Studios said the code extracts information about the computer system and select password state data, which is then posted to the bad actor's CDN network. The password state update compromise lasted from April 20th until April 22nd, and the attacker server was shut down around 7 a.m. UTC on April 22nd. This case is another supply chain hack and represents a worrying trend. The article by Ars Technica goes into the double-edged sword that is password managers. And yes, it's great for security because people will then generate random passwords and not share passwords across different services. But at the same time, you're putting a lot of faith into this one place and putting your passwords online within a vendor's database or a resource. So there is still a threat there. We've all encountered terrible software in our careers. The term craplications is widely used. Another fun one I remember my buddy Steve Thomas used was Broke App Mountain too. We've all probably lost hours, days, weeks, and maybe even months of our lives dealing with terrible broken software. Well, those hours lost are nothing compared to the horrible fate of 42 sub-postmasters and postmistresses in the UK who were convicted for theft, fraud, and false accounting, with some even imprisoned 
all the results of the post offices installing faulty software in their branches where these office operators worked. Some of these people were subsequently shunned by their communities and struggled to secure other work. Some lost their homes and even failed to get insurance owing to their convictions, and some have since died. They always claimed that the fault was in the computer system, which had been used to manage post office finances since 1999, and they've finally just now been cleared. Slashdot.org reported that the Horizon system, which was in use, developed by Japanese company Fujitsu, first rolled out in 1999 to some post offices to be used for a variety of tasks, including accounting and stock taking. But from an early stage, it appeared to have significant bugs which could cause the system to misreport, sometimes involving substantial sums of money. Horizon-based evidence was used by the post office to successfully prosecute 736 people, but campaigners fought a long and series of legal battles for compensation in the civil courts, which have been followed by referrals by the Criminal Cases Review Commission. A post office spokesman said, We sincerely apologize to the postmasters affected by our historical failures. Throughout this appeals process, we have supported the quashing of the overwhelming majority of these convictions, and the judgment will be an important milestone in addressing the past. Well, unfortunately for the people who have died, it's too late for that. They never got to see their justice. I now consider myself fortunate to have wasted weeks of my life trying to sequence a terrible business objects application in AFV 4.6. And a couple of quick hit stories to wrap up the news for this week, but .NET Framework 4.5.2, 4.6, and 4.6.1 will reach end of support on April 26, 2022. So now would be a good time to check to see if you've got those versions in your environment and what applications require them to see if there's an upgrade path so you can get to 4.8 or whatever comes later at the point of April 26, 2022. The April 2021 release of the MSIX packaging tool is now available. It features a number of bug fixes as well as some improvements to the device guard signing experience. In a bizarre story that I actually saw covered on an episode of Late Night with Stephen Colbert, the CBC reported on what they called a uniquely Canadian turn of events. A beaver chewed through fiber cable at multiple points in Tumblr Ridge, British Columbia, causing the internet to go down. It took the ISP a day to restore the services. Luckily, it appears it occurred on a Saturday, so hopefully they reduced the impact for remote workers and businesses. So for anyone keeping a list, add beavers to the list of cyber threats. And now this week's scripts, tricks, and tips. So this week I got permission to upload and publish my previous VMUG EUC day. Also published it with an accompanying blog post for more context. So if you want to check that out, my topic is modernizing application delivery and it's got a bit of a VMware slant because it was a VMUG event. And I'll share that with this episode as I do everything that I mention on every single episode of the podcast over at 5bytespodcast.com and you'll find it under reference links. And this episode is 174. John Vinsel from Microsoft shared that it is really easy to host and install an MSIX from your own website. They include a protocol in front of your package URI 
and it will install directly from the web using an ms-app installer period question mark source equals and he points to a great example of it which is the msixhero.net slash get and he says it's also great for use of auto updates the vdi like a pro survey results are now available it's a really really interesting read they provided line charts to trend changes between different versions and different years of the survey results and it's pretty eye-opening so definitely check that out and my buddy esther bartell shared her admx reader script on her github repository which converts the admx xml format to a more readable csv file with policy and registry information so this is a great citrix admx policy converter if you want a quick way to spit out your citrix policies and have them in a more readable format this is the way microsoft shared a step-by-step -step article for convert for configuring universal print which is their azure based print management solution so if you don't want to use the old mmc print manager anymore and want to make it modernized to the cloud check that out and finally i saw yellowbricks.com had shared a pretty interesting post on a vmug advantage group for the vmware community so the great thing about the group is they get a group discount on vmug advantage so the higher the number of people that sign up the higher the discount will be and if you sign up for the vmug advantage you get 365 day evaluation licenses for vSphere, vCloud Foundation, vSAN, NSX, vRealize, VMware Workstation, Horizon, and more. You also get VMworld discounts, 20 to 35% off on training, and access to VMware Test Drive. So I think it's about $200 currently with, as they say, a greater discount for the more people who sign up. If you have a home lab, this is an awesome resource. If you don't have a home lab, but maybe you're thinking about starting one, this is an awesome resource. So check that out. Well, that's it for another episode of the Five Bytes Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening.